Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah. Hi, Susan. How are you doing this evening? I am doing extraordinarily well, and joyous spring equinox to you. Oh, blessed be. Joyous spring equinox to you as well, Susan. 
blessed, blessed be the great wheel of the year, as it may be called, has four cardinal points. And those are the two solstices and the two equinoxes. And Sol is the sun, and Dice says in stasis is that the sun stands still. Mm. If you're observing and marking where the sun is setting, every day the solstice is the turnaround point. It keeps going, you know, further, 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 further one way, and then it stops and it goes back, da 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 da, -da, and then it stops and it goes back in. Right in between is the equa equal nox, night, where the night is equal to the day. Now, as we've already mentioned, spring has indeed long since sprung for the plants. Way back in the beginning of February, with the feast of flame, the kindling of that inner firewood, Hildegard of Bingen called Veriditas, the greening force that pushes the leaves out of the bud. Mm. That's her description of chi. Veriditas, greening force. Yes. So that has been, it's like that whole, the whole six weeks before now has been the backswing, if you will, to what's bursting forth now. Right. Mm -hmm. So, equinox um, is said to be a time of balance and therefore the custom in a great many places, is to balance eggs. I think it's a little bit past the actual time of the equinox, which I believe was yesterday at various times, depending on where you live. Um, And it's usually celebrated over a three-day period, the 19th, 20th, and 21st for the solstices and the equinoxes. Um, Because it does move around from year to year and a bit... Um, from place to place, so giving it three days, a good good amount of time for a holiday, and got it covered. Mm. <laughs> so mm. the eggs, the eggs thing, the balancing eggs thing, um, always fascinates me because the goddess of the this spring, this part of the spring, is Eoster who gives us the holiday Easter. And her sacred animal is, you're right, the rabbit. Mm -hmm. And she is the giver of eggs. Wow. Or as somebody said to me, I always wondered why the rabbits had eggs since rabbits don't lay eggs. (laughs) (gasps) I know, the Cadbury bunny little eggs is like it really makes what? you think about that yeah they've got that bunny like laying the egg and it's like wait a minute yeah how, how does this <laughs> I have a wind up toy that's a wind up chick that hops but it has rabbit ears oh my goodness oh I love it <laughs> so funny wow. yeah <laughs> it reminds me of when uh, 
my granddaughter Monica Jean and her friend Robin were being creative one day with some old calendars that I had, and they were uh, mixing and matching animal bodies and animal heads and making fantastical creatures. How fun. Yes. Fun, minds. I love that idea. So it also tells us here um, at Spring Equinox that it's going to be dependably brighter. It might not be dependably warmer. It might still get cold, but it will be dependably brighter. And the plants really respond to that much more so than they do to a temperature differential. Although I'm not saying they don't respond to that. Having cut some branches of forsythia to bring inside because I knew that the warmth of bringing them inside would cause them to burst into bloom weeks before they will bloom outdoors. Oh. Interesting. That makes sense. I mean, when I think about the florist and working with flowers, that are being cut. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. You have thought to do that, though. (sighs) (laughs) I actually, um, I was given some forsythia for my birthday one year, which is February 8th, that someone had forced. He said he he Mm. cut it. He cut it before Christmas and kept it, you know, warm, but not in the light until he wanted it to bloom. And by then the buds were big enough. And he said, usually it takes a couple of weeks. And the I did some for somebody else's birthday earlier in the month. And she was thrilled to have it. And then I just brought some more in and this bloomed pretty quickly inside. And that's partly because mm. it's not so long off now when it's going to be blooming outside. Wow. What a loving, thoughtful gift to put that aside or inside for your birthday all the way back in December. Oh, that right. is so sweet. Yeah, that is so sweet. Yes. I love that. <laughs> me too. Wow. Me too. That, and he instructed me, he said, and when the blossoms fall off, you'll see there'll be green leaves and just stick it in the ground somewhere and it will grow. And it has a nice big shrub. Oh, my goodness. Wow, I didn't know forsythia was one of those plants. That's pretty cool, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I love that. I have one plant, so there we go. Now we can make more. Now you can make, this is how people make forsythia hedges, right? They just keep sticking it in the ground. It's a really fun plant to work with, and the flowers are edible. Mm. Pretty yellow flowers. So happy to see them when they come in spring. <laughs> I'm reading for the Hypericum Conference, reading from books and reading from monographs. I completed reading St. John's Wort by Andrew Chevalier, um, an entire book on it. And I've been reading other people's books. And, you know, I had one of those moments that we all have where I heard myself reading this book that said, and you can't take it if you're taking these drugs because it interacts with drugs. And I commented and said, I've never seen it happen. 
and then that was the end of the recording. And it was like that that kind of reverberated like like somehow you're like outside of yourself and inside of yourself and it's bouncing back and forth between your two selves and say, I've never seen that happen. Well, is that because your experience is so limited? What's going on? Maybe it really is happening and you just have your head buried in the sand and you don't know. So I said, fine. Let me, let me see if there's any actual researcher studies. And of course, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of studies at PubMed and online and all over the world about hypericum. It is a very closely studied plant, but the one that I kind of glommed on, a mere 77 pages, was from Europe, where they take their herbs pretty seriously. Of course, hypericum is native there. The European Medicines Agency Herbal Monograph on Hypericum perforatum. <laughs> and I am not telling you I read every page every page of 77 pages or every word, even of the pages that I did read. But I mm. looked through the whole thing and toward the end, there were lots and lots of studies of interactions with drugs. And it doesn't. Wow. Were well, they, study was, there were like three or four studies on hypericum and oral birth control. And although the levels of hormones went down in the women um, and there was more breakthrough bleeding, the birth control pills were still effective and the key things that would keep them from getting pregnant were stable. Hmm. And the same thing with SSRIs. And it was just, you know, just amazing. I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I didn't really think I was going to find that there. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and and to me, the real take-home statement is that the constituent that activates the enzyme pathway that speeds up the metabolization of drugs is hyperforin. And hyperforin is unstable. Leading me to think there may not be much hyperforin in our homemade tinctures. Wow. And that could account for why. Because it's not just me. I mean, it's like thousands of other people that I know, you know, through the network who are using Hypericum along with any number of prescribed drugs without problems. And I had to laugh. In this whole big European monograph, there's this thing that says, there is one anecdotal um, report of a woman who stopped taking her whatever 
antidepressive she was taking. I don't want to say because I don't remember precisely. And started taking Hypericum. And we're going to assume that she was taking it in tablets or capsules. And after doing that for a while, she took her um, antidepressant pill. Let's say it was an SSRI. Um, and had a very, very bad result from the combination of the two. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh, are they going to base their belief on a single anecdotal report? Even herbalists don't do that. Right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, it was just an anecdotal. They didn't even have her, to, like, like or anything scientific about just one case and a lady's take on right. what happened to her, which is pretty, right. yeah, pretty subjective and, yeah, anecdotal. And, you know, and you know, as I said, I just had to laugh, you know, because if I were to say, oh, I saw this herb affect this one person this way once, um, they mm. they go this poof. I don't believe it. You know, where's your double blind study? It's, right. It's, so, I am feeling um, gratified that I took the time to scout around <clears throat> and see what I could find and to see how it is that this what I consider misinformation becomes entrenched. And it's picked up and carried from one place to another. Oh, here's a list of all the drugs that Hypericum interacts with. Just copy that and paste it into your article. Yeah. It is amazing how tagged it gets with that, a label, and then it just is so sticky. Um, I mean, I say the name of that plant, and it's amazing. The, the one that you're not supposed to. If you're in the sun or if I take birth control and it's just like, wow, missing out because of all this misinformation. Mm. Well, let's hope the Hypericum conference can stop the nonsense. Mm-hmm. I should check with the herbal suppliers and see if there was a great tsunami of interest in comfrey because of the comfrey conference. <laughs> right. 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 In this case, maybe seed suppliers, because I bet so many people are going to be wanting to plant their own St. Jones Ward. Right, right, exactly, the seed suppliers, because the conference comes at the beginning of May, the first 10 days of May. And you remember that we are still soliciting shorts in addition to all the recordings that I'm doing. Other people are also turning in shorts. Thank you so much. They're wonderful. And we invite you. It's not too late to turn in your Hypericum short ad. If you have yet to register for the conference and you turn in a short, you get to come for free. That's lifetime access for free. And if you haven't, it's only forty nine ninety nine now, and it's going to be twice that once the conference gets rolling the beginning of May. So... I, myself, am getting more and more excited to hear what everyone else has discovered as they have been investigating into the past, the present, and the future of Hypericum. Me too. 
Very excited. Tonight. Yeah, something. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I was just gonna. For me, there's something about Hypericum. I love Comfrey, and um, but the relationship with Hypericum, just because I guess I interacting more when the plant is alive, um, and 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 non medicine like or the remedies I use are with the fresh plant. So, uh, so interesting. I just feel like the presenters are so passionate too about this plant. So. Yeah, I'm excited, very excited to hear what everyone's got to share. Yes, I was reading um, in Robin Rose Bennett's book, and she was saying, this is a plant I don't leave home without. And I was saying, me either. She says, I carry a big bottle of the tincture and a big bottle of the oil, and I go, check, check, me too. Absolutely. Say what? Mm-hmm. Both the tincture and the oil, and both the tincture and the oil go with me wherever I go. Yes, indeed. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I, I would not want to have to pick one or the other. Nope, <laughs> but want both. <laughs> uh, so Linda Conroy is going to come and talk with us tonight. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Linda Conroy is a past apprentice who now has apprentices of her own and runs the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference. And I will be there this year. It's in May. Um, You should look at your schedule and be able to actually say what the dates in May are. Let's see. That's May 26, 27, 28. It is indeed the last weekend of May. And not only am I going to be there, but Justine is going to be there and Monica Jean is going to be there. This teen camp. And we've encouraged Monica Jean to come and be part of the teen camp. She's agreed. And I've been wanting to bring both of them to the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference. To me, it's a very special opportunity to be in women's culture. When women are alone together, a very different thing emerges, the sense of women's culture. It's not something that's easy to describe, and it's under assault these days, so um, it doesn't really exist. But, of course, that's how we've always wiped out cultures in the past, by pretending that they don't exist. So I am thrilled that Linda creates a gathering of mothers and grandmothers, of daughters and sisters, of aunts and nieces. It's very beautiful. Come and join us tonight at 9. To hear Linda talk about what she's up to these days with her apprentices, her garden at the conference. And she has another conference, a conference on mushrooms. Or go check out her conferences online while you're listening to me and register for one or both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Midwest Women's Herbal is phenomenal. I, I have not been to the mushroom, but I, I do know that um, they are waitlist only already for the Midwest Women's Herbal 
it sold. Oh my gosh. Yes, by the early registration deadline on March 15th, they went to wait list only. Yeah, there's still room for all of the pre-conference events, um, for space for all of those. Well, not all of them, but at some of them, there's space for pre-conference events. But the main conference is on wait list. All right. Yeah. We all want. We all want. Our gathering, hurrah! And it's a, there's a limited space at the camp. It's a beautiful camp. I'm yeah. glad we're there, and I really mm-hmm. honor um, their desire, uh, Linda's chosen desire, not to make the conference bigger and bigger. It's very interesting to see that it was certainly, you know, has been one of my guiding principles with the Wise Woman Center, is that um, I never pushed to make it be big. The Southeast Women's Herbal Conference got big, 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 right? Oh, last I went was 1,100 women. How many? 1,100. Yeah. Yeah, big, 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 big. Big, 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 big. Right. How does it feel? very different feel. Still marvelous, wonderful, amazing speakers and met phenomenal women from around the world, really. Um, but it yeah. was very, very different feel. Couldn't all at the same time, you know, you kind of had to like be in the dining room and shifts and just, it was different. It was, it was different and I'm glad that we have, you know, all of the, possi- all of the possibilities. Me too. <clears throat> So, and that COVID has not wiped them all out. Um, Mm. I'm not going to be teaching at the International Herb Symposium, but Astrid Grove and I registered to participate last night. So, yeah, so Astrid and I will be snoozling around and dancing at the Herbalist Ball, and all like that at the International Herb Symposium, one of my places where I get to be with people that I love who live really far away. Oh. Mm. And maybe some of that tasty kava punch. <laughs> and to drink that kava punch, you do poop do poop <laughs> So I'm so glad they are back in a uh, real conference. They had, of course, an interim virtual one. But now we're back to the real, the real deal, which is what we want as herbalists, to be there really together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, we don't have time to mention every single one that's going on. So if you want to know more about what's moving and shaking in the herbal world, Herb Rally is a good place to go. Wow, I hadn't heard of that. That's like kind of a one-stop information place that I'll let people know Totally is. As a matter of fact, Mason, um, one of my all-time favorite herbalists, um, runs it. And when Astrid and I were registering for the International Herb Symposium last night, she's like, oh, my gosh, so much money. I said, well, wait, 
I think Umbrella offered a discount code. Whoa. And I went to Umbrella, and sure enough, there was a discount code. Wow. That's good to know. Oh, oh wow. you can get yourself hooked up. I think it expired last night, so don't, like, go looking for it now. Sorry. But who knows? Maybe there's another one. So look for something else. Right. But, I, you know, I think th- I think there was an expiration on it. Mm. Well, fun to know of the site and just the opportunity for discount codes on events. I always see the opportunity when I'm signing up, but I'm like, a discount code? How would you get that? So interesting. Thank you for the tip and the heads up on that website. Yeah. Well, goodness, talking, talking, talking here tonight. Are there anybody else who wants to talk? Anybody with questions? Indeed. There are three hands that have been raised, and I'll remind everyone listening, if you would like to speak with Susan this evening, please press 1 on your telephone keypad, and I will see your hand go up in the queue, and when it is your turn, we'll open your line. Uh, The first caller has dialed in from the 646 area code. From the 646, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. How are you tonight? Hi. Good. Good. Thank you. I uh, just wanted to start by saying you are a wonderful lady, um, for the people who didn't know that. Um, I have a couple of questions, a couple of plant questions, if you don't mind. Um, Please, go right ahead. The, so the first one is um, I've got a lot of Cuban oregano, or also known as Indian borage, and I think it's got a few other names, actually. You might be able to um, enlighten me on that one. I'm not sure. But it grows so fast, and I've been clipping the leaves off, and um, and I've been drying the leaves in the dehydrator. But Tell me, does it have a very strong smell? Yes. yes. It smells very, yeah, very strong. Almost... Very- Almost kind of like um, a cannabisy smell, but maybe not a bit more fragrant. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Not really like oregano, though. No, no. They're very big leaves and very thick leaves. They take a long time mm-hmm. in the dehydrator to. Um... Are they are they kind of sticky? Yeah. 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 And they're very big. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Almost got a very yeah sticky texture. Yeah, it's like it makes it kind of unattractive to put in salads. Yeah, it's almost got like um, a succulent kind of texture. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, and yeah. not just not just succulent, but like like this honey or something on it, like sticky. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I think. Somebody gave me oh, the plant. I don't have any really good use for it because it kind of resists being used in a way. Ah, okay. So I asked myself, well, you know, you're not the only being on the planet here, Susan. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that's benefiting from it? Okay. And it's it stays pretty low. You said it grows prolifically, but it stays low, right? Um, yeah, I suppose it grows. 
the kind of the kind of grows outwards. It kind of grows from left to right rather than up. Um, exactly. So it stays below. So that would be considered a ground cover. Okay. And it tends to grow in what are commonly referred to as poor soils. Okay. There's not much humus in the soil. It's sandy or it's clayey or it's volcanic. And this plant takes root and spreads out. And by doing that, it shades and shelters the earth and the microorganisms in the earth, which can actually start the process of soil creation. I was just down in Tucson and walking with my friend in the desert with another person, and they were talking about that. We were looking at how that happens in the desert and how the the roots of the plants, even the dead plants, um, create an oasis of life in in those really poor soils. What I've what I've seen is that it's a plant that's often planted because people think, oh, it'll be a culinary herb, but it's not so great as a culinary herb. And then it turns out not to be much of a salad herb. And, yeah, it's okay dried, but it doesn't – It smell and flavor, to, to me, improve when it's dried. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. It definitely becomes like a, almost like a dried culinary herb, but um... – I just, yeah, I wasn't sure. I've done some research online about the health benefits, and uh, to be honest with you, I can't remember what they were. It was a while ago when I did exactly. it. Exactly. So. <laughs> Probably, um, you know, make you feel better and live longer. It's, you know, I don't, I don't think that you would come to any injury from using it, but I don't think that it's here for us. I think it's here for its environment. I see. Okay. And then uh, cool. our, our best response is to plant bigger, taller plants. Okay. Um, and that will kind of keep it in check, right? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's mm-hmm. really, it, you know, you, it spreads out, but it comes to shade. It like, yeah, that's it. It stops. Yeah, that's very true, actually. I never thought about that. It kind of... Um, I've got it in a giant pot on my um, balcony. I'm in Florida, so I've obviously got the sun um, right now. So it's just it grows, you know. Um, like it, I think, yeah, you're right. When it, it seems to stop when it sort of uh, covers an area. So that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Thank so you in that. that pot, if you wanted to, you could plant a taller tree. You could plant like a depending on how big the pot is, I'm envisioning a very big pot, you plant like a miniature yeah. citrus. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that will grow above it and um, won't be affected. And then, and, and then it will keep the soil moist, moist for the larger plant. Ah, okay. That, that's very interesting. Um, okay. So thank you for that. Um, and the other thing was, um, so about five, 
five, ten miles away from me is a an office depot. And in the parking lot, there is tons of um, red hibiscus flowers, the big bushes. And there must, I must have counted maybe easily 120, 150 flowers the other day. But I've heard you speak in the past about not the whole flower that's used. Um, it's not even that hibiscus that's used. Say that again, sorry? It's not even that hibiscus that's used. Uh, the hibiscus okay. that is used doesn't have a red flower. Ah, uh, okay. It has a red uh, calyx. The flower is actually kind of like, okay, it's a hibiscus flower, and all hibiscus flowers are like, wow. But in, mm-hmm. in its realm of wow, it's kind of ho-hum, wow. Yeah. You don't like you don't grow um, hibiscus sebidifera for its flowers. You grow it for the calyxes. Yeah. Okay. So again, it would not hurt you to harvest any of those flowers and to use yeah. them. But when people are talking about hibiscus or hibiscus flower, that's not what they're talking about. Ah, uh, okay. All right, that's interesting then. Um, it's this one particular species, the Sabidifera, okay. which is also called Roselle or Jamaican tea. Ah, okay, that's interesting. And it's yes, so it's it, sold as hibiscus flowers, but it's not. It's not. Yeah, that, I think that's what you were talking about. It wasn't so long ago you were talking about it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, is it worth making, a, can I make a tincture from these or... Um, you know, or a, a beneficial tincture. You know, is it uh, is it worth? Is it just I something would I should say look, I should look at? that you could make a tiny bit of tincture to kind of see mm-hmm. what it's like. Okay. But I would not invest hugely in it. Okay. All of the Malvaceae flowers are edible. Oh. And they all have some mucilage, so they're kind of soothing. Yes. And certainly the red color is indicative of antioxidants, anthocyanins probably. And would those come out in a tincture? Probably. My tendency with those kinds of flowers is more to make a vinegar. Oh, Okay. I think I've heard you speaking about that as well. Yeah. Then, I'll, then I'll use more of it. Yes. And with so okay. many flowers, obviously the plant is saying, come on, come on, use me. And, of course, you can just eat those flowers. Yeah. Okay. Oh, would they be good in a salad? They're wonderful in salad. Oh, wow. So I just I, thought of... Some, right. some people just, you know, cut off the base because it's a little harder at the base. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was um I was just thinking even if I was to pick maybe thirty and uh leave some for for everybody else to marvel at. Most hibiscus and, flowers only bloom for twenty four hours. Okay. Yeah, there's so many bushes. So if you took a hundred of sure. them the next day there would still be a hundred. I see. Okay. Okay, that's good. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
All so, right. Thank you very much for that. I uh, just quick update. Um, my hernia is still um, is getting worse. Actually, I tried one of the hernia belts, uh, but it's um, it was just hurting me. I think it was pressing, pushing. You know, so I'm gonna yeah. uh, have to see about getting some surgery or something. I think sadly, but. There see if you go. can find see if you can find somebody who does not use mesh. Yeah, I again I've, I remember you saying that in the past to somebody. Um what are the other um options just the kind of do they just stitch up or something? I believe that most people call it the shoulder dice method. And they use an ultra fine um thread of metal. Okay. And they do indeed okay. stitch you up. And a third of their work is repairing mesh repairs. Ah, wow. Okay. Yeah. The, you know, the, if, if all goes well with the mesh, well, then all goes well. But there are people for whom it goes horribly. Horribly wrong, yeah. But if you can find somebody who does the Schoenbeiss method, who does well, this actual sewing rather than the mesh, it's worth traveling a little Sorry. or spending a little for it. Okay. All right. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate everything. You're welcome. Great blessings. Great blessings. Good Stay night. in touch. I will be. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. I will remind everyone listening, if you've got a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1 and your hand will go up in the queue. At this time, we have two callers that have pressed one, and the next is dialed in from the 260 area code. 260, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. What's up tonight? Um, you'll have to excuse me for just a second. I'm really, really nervous. I, oh, I haven't that's called that's... in for a few years, and... Um, Fine. I don't know. Yeah. I, I wanted so to pretend, say, pretend uh, you're blowing out a birthday cake candle. Uh, <laughs> ah, you know when we're nervous, people always say take a deep breath. But the fact of the matter is, we're probably already holding our breath. So breathing out is a much better thing to do. It blowing nervous. it out. <laughs> Just blow <laughs> it out. That was a good tip. Yeah, I was teaching online the other day, and one of the uh, co-leaders of the group said, oh, oh, you're giving us so much information. You can tell my mind on the voice that I didn't think I was giving them so, so much information, but that's really neither here nor there. She says, so let's just stop and take a deep breath. And I immediately interjected, don't take deep breath. Breathe out. Breathe out. Make a sound. I got everybody screaming. And I said, good, now there's lots of room for more information. And I went on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you for that. That helps a lot. Good. Now, what did you want to talk about? Well, first of all, I want to say very briefly, uh, thank you both for being here. And and I was thrilled to meet you last year at the Women's Herbal Conference with my daughter. And um, I'm glad you're promoting it, and I'm glad you're going to be there, but I wish I could be there this year, and I can't. Oh, I hear you um, so. 
<laughs> we will hold you in our hearts. Yes. I was wondering, on the Hypericum Conference, which I'm registered for, um, will you be having Hypericum T-shirts? Yes. Yes, as a matter of fact, we're going to be having a lot of Hypericum T-shirts. The woman who made the country goddess last year made a Hypericum goddess. And I said, I don't like it. She said, well, what do, you, what do you not like about it? She says, it's a wonderful Hypericum goddess. There's all these Hypericum flowers, and it's balanced, and there's the spiral in her heart. I said, she's just sitting there so calmly. I don't think of this as a calm herb. I think of this as an herb with, like, the goddess has, like, fire pulsing out of her fingers. Yeah. So I um, paid her a second time to do a second Hypericum goddess. Okay. And that, that's the one we're using for the conference banner. But I think I'm going to have T-shirts done of both of them. And the, my minimum order on T-shirts is 72. So there'll be 72 T-shirts of various sizes. I'm going to get all bigger sizes this year of each one. And I think I'm going to have some T-shirts, which will be more expensive, of course, printed with both goddesses, one on the front and one on the back. Oh, Okay. So there's all kinds of things going on with the T-shirts. I'm going to see diet samples, I think, on Thursday for the T-shirts. Wonderful. And thank you for asking. It was one of the things I kind of had in the back of my mind to mention and didn't, so appreciate you. Well, you know, I got a Comfrey T-shirt last year, and so, you know, now that the Hypericum Conference is coming up, i got to have a Hypericum T-shirt. Uh, well, we, we will have Hypericum T-shirts. We will have a choice of Hypericum T-shirts. The Calm Goddess, <laughs> the Fire Coming Out of Her Fingertips Goddess, or for those who can't make up their minds, both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Durga has graciously allowed me to print more T-shirts. Originally, originally she was like, T-shirts? You're going to make T-shirts with my art? I'm not so sure about that. That was last year. And then this year, like, I kind of pre-loaded it. I said, and I want to print 100 T-shirts, not knowing that the minimum that was going to be raised this year. So I've already sweet-talked her. Thank you so much, Dirk Um into letting me print more T-shirts. So we, they will not be as limited as they were last year. That certainly brings a smile to my face. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now they'll I be, have a very personal question. Be at the marketplace. Once I um, choose the dye samples, and I feel, you know, certain that there will be an actual thing, we'll put them up for sale. I don't want to put them up for sale until it just gets a little more real. I like a fairly, like, big reality quotient. Mm-hmm. But um, but it, w- it will be probably within a week or two. Oh, great. Yeah. And so that's at uh, wisewomanschool.com, and that's at the uh, Hypericum Conference and at the Marketplace for that conference. Yes. Okay. Coming I I soon. My t- my Coming soon to your market. Market. 
Right. Yes. Hi. <laughs> Good. Hi, Yes. Yay, and thank you, Durga Yael, for your beautiful goddesses. <laughs> in, her, in her quiet, soothing phase, and her, you know, wow, shooting fire phase, too. Um, I have a personal question, and it's this. This is going to be hard for me to get out, but um, you are the person that I can um, trust to give me a good answer. Um, I'm 67 years old, and I gave birth to my one and only uh, when I was 42. When I was 42, after I gave birth, I lost my desire for intimacy completely. And, um, I mean, my husband and I did have intimacy, but I got no pleasure, um, if you know what I mean. And um, 10 years ago, he and I were trying to make something happened for me and I got a horrible headache which scared me for another 10 years and last week I said to myself I've got it I've got to try this on my own maybe maybe it's me because I I have been a sexual person most of my adult life um and I did get myself alone with the vibrator and um it happened, and then the headache came back, and this headache was just about the same, not quite as intense, but it lasted longer, so I took some hypericum tincture to get rid of the headache, but I'm wondering if there's something to do to prevent that headache. Really, I am hearing you that the oh, and I should tell you too that no. I've been drinking herbal infusions for the past eight years, and I and I have been drinking a little more oat straw, but it hasn't it really hasn't affected me quite that way. Quite that way. One of the things you know, like that I told, one of the things that I told the surgeons that I wanted them to leave was my orgasm. They cut a wide swath. They cut very many pieces of me out, and I told them they were to leave my ovaries, my bladder, and my orgasm. And so then I took it upon myself as part of my health care to have orgasms, not to want them, but to have them. Because it is part of my health care. And it's, in fact, really part of everyone's health care. And in a way, I was glad 
that I was able to see it that way because it certainly wasn't easy. And I really had to stick to it and I really had to um, decide that I wasn't letting that go. And that I was going to find a way with my new body. Now, my body is a little more different than your postmenopausal body is in that they reconstructed my vagina. So, pretty big difference there. Nonetheless, after menopause, we really are different women sexually. And it's almost as though we have to commit to ourselves and commit to our sexuality or it does just stop. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I know that orgasms are good for our health. And certainly if I wanted to heal a wound um, heal a reconstructive vagina and keep myself upright and walking, then I was going to need to commit myself to orgasms. And we know what happens when we commit ourselves that way, don't we? It's like the worst period in my life where I was crying every day for four years. It was really, really awful. And finally somebody said to me, smile. And I went, don't feel like smiling. And she said, I didn't tell you to feel like smiling. I told you to smile. And I went, what? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I hear you. You don't feel like having an orgasm. You can have one anyhow. I think, I think there's some fear. Yeah. The fear of getting the headache back, for one. Right. And, um, yeah. And yeah. I guess that's easier right I, now. I think, I think that you can find a way for that headache to become a gift for you. I'm not quite sure what it is. But there's something about that headache that is like shutting your brain down in a certain way. Does that make any sense to you? Um, that's, no. No. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about the headache. Is it in the front of your head, the back of your head? It's the back. It's um, yeah, around the uh, the the whole back area, and it just gets very intense. Um, I'm I'm so very. It's the back of your head or the back of your neck. The back of my head. The whole back of your head. Does it get tender? Um. Gosh, I. I didn't feel to see if the, the head was tender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, uh, is, it, so I, is it more steady or throbbing? Steady. Mm-hmm. And 
is it kind of dull or sharp? Sharp. So it's a sharp pain, like a piercing pain or an electrical pain? Not that sharp, but painful sharp. Um. <laughs> More kind of like a, a nettle sting or an insect bite kind of sharp. Mm, no, those aren't that painful. The headache was. The headache is more painful than a nettle sting. Yes. Or or a wasp bite. Wasp, well... Around there. And you are able to relieve the headache, and are you able to relieve it after hours or within an hour? It was it was about thirty to forty five minutes. I I took a couple uh, droppers full of the St. Jones Wort. Mhm, mhm. And maybe a few drops of Skullcap. And you might try um, using a dropper full of Hypericum and one or two drops of Skullcap beforehand as well. Beforehand, oh, okay. With beforehand, and then have a glass of some kind of liquid with a little skullcap and some hypericum right there to drink as soon as you have the orgasm, too. And then if you need a third dose, go for it. I personally find hypericum very useful when I repeat the dose. How many times, what do you mean when you repeat the dose? When I've been in extreme pain, I repeat the dose every 15 minutes. Oh, okay. Or, yeah, that's, you know, or if it's I, like pain and or, I'm sleeping, then whenever I wake up. Okay. When, when I have dealt with sciatic pain, I will take the tincture every 15 minutes and do my best to stay awake until the pain is completely gone. And sometimes that's um, 30 hours. And of course, I'm not actually taking it every 15 minutes because I am falling asleep some of that time. And again... If I'm awakened by the pain, I take Hypericum. If I can go to sleep, so much the better. And the first time I had a sciatic pain, I was able to completely get rid of it in three hours. And the second time I had it, it was because of the surgery. So it was kind of created uh, by the removal of bones and lymph glands and a bunch of stuff that made the nerves furious and so that one was the one that took 30 hours Mm. but I have not had a single twinge or problem since then and it's been three years ago now wow that's beautiful so when yeah what I I find that it not only helps deal with the pain at the time, but the thought I just keep 
on it that will often prevent it from ever coming back. Well, that's way I, I have not looked at it that way. But can't wait for the conference too. <laughs> All right. Yes. Soon now. And yeah, I six am weeks. growing America in my basement as we speak. Oh my gosh. And I have some <laughs> oh, yes. I could not find any last summer at all here in northeast Indiana and um I decided I'm just going to have to grow my own. <laughs> Hopefully find some out in the wild this year, too. But How big are the plants? Are they seedlings? They are. They're just, just coming up out of the uh, soil. It's mixture downstairs. <laughs> How sweet. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that yeah. with us. Yes, so we're all looking forward to the conference, and, and thank you for helping out there. You are welcome, and thanks to Sarah Ellen, too. She's doing a ton yeah. of stuff. And green blessings to you to be continued. Bye-bye for now. Thank you. Bye. All right, and we have one caller that has their hand raised, and I'll let everyone listening know if you've got a question for Susan tonight, please press one so that I can see your hand go up. And our next caller has pressed one. Oh, we have two callers that have pressed one. Oh, three callers that have pressed one. And the next is dialed in from the 732 area code. From the 732, you are live with Susan. Hi, thank you, Susan, for taking my call. Um, this is really quick. Um, I take Bromney in the evening for sleep. Um, it was given to me by an Ayurvedic doctor. I like it very much because I'm a person that goes to sleep with, you know, a thousand things on my mind. And, you know, you wake up at two, you wake up at three, I wake up at five, and the mind is just going and going. And when I take Bromney, I actually have a peaceful night's sleep. So I do find it very helpful. And I see that Mountain Rose um, sells it, and they have it in dried aerial portions. Um, And I was wondering, I I know how you promote um, infusions. Could an infusion be made with Bromney? Or would you prefer, I'm taking it right now in capsule form because that's what was sold to me, and I know you're not big on capsules. So if you don't uh, feel it should be made into infusions, would you recommend extract form? It's not a a nerve that I'm familiar with. My problem with capsules is that you're not familiar with the herb either, and so you don't have any actual way of knowing what's in the capsule you're taking. The unfortunate um, truth is that when consumer groups look at herbal supplements, which what you're taking, um, they find that in the vast majority of cases, the herb that's listed on the bottle isn't what's in there, or there's more of it, or there's less of it, or it's contaminated with heavy metals, 
or in some instances, especially with herbs from China and India, that they're actually drugs like amphetamines and antibiotics and hormones um, and sometimes even opioids added to the herbs. So I don't have enough faith in others to believe okay. in herbs and capsules. Mm-hmm. And I don't see in my experience that that is a very effective way to use herbs either. One of the reasons we put drugs in capsules and tablets is so they won't get digested because a drug is a single substance. And once it's digested, it's not going to be effective anymore. So we do our best to keep drugs from being ingested, actually, from being taken up so that they can travel around in the blood for longer. But herbs have to be digested in order to be effective because we have to release their compounds. So the thing that we do to a drug to make it better for us prevents the herb from being very effective. So I would ask you some questions about this herb, but I'm not even sure you'd be able to answer me. Does the herb have a very strong smell? Right, I couldn't answer that because it's powder in a capsule. (laughs) Because it's powder in a capsule, exactly. So we don't make infusions from herbs that have a strong smell. But neither you nor I know if this herb has a strong smell. Mm -hmm. So, um... Well, what would you recommend to calm the mind? I think what's important is that you have something that works for you. That's what's really important. So do you have some of the capsules or tablets or whatever you're taking on hand to now? No, I don't. Okay. And you can't get what you've been taking? I can. I had gotten them from an Ayurvedic doctor. You got them from the Ayurvedic doctor. Got it. Yes. Having a capsule on hand would allow you to open it. Oh, okay. And to get to know the herb and to have a sense of how else it could be used. Right. Well, Do you know if it is a single herb or if it's a yes. group of herbs? It says it, um, I believe it's a single herb. Okay. It's B-R-A-H-M-I. Which is what made me think it was a group of herbs rather than just one plant because it sounds, I don't know, just like, sounds like a name that would be given to a combination. And I know that Ayurvedic medicine frequently uses combinations of herbs. 
You know what? I'm reading right now. It also goes under the name Indian Pennywort. Water hmm. hops up, hops up, hops up. Um, Caltrops? Yes, water hops up. That's another name for it. Okay. Okay, so it says here it's a member of, and I'm going to spell this. I'm not going to make a mess out of this. It's sure. S, as in, as in Sam, mm-hmm. C-R-O, P as in Peter, H-U-L-A-R-I-A-C-E-A-E, family. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, but um, basically, I'm just looking for something because this really does help calm calm the mind. Yes. So what would you recommend? I like Skullcap. And we've been talking about Skullcap a little bit tonight. Skullcap is a herb that I know of as a herb that grows in America, but I was surprised to learn, well, gee, it grows in China, too, and it's been used in China for quite a long time. And because it grows by me, but isn't really prolific, I tinctured it. And I find the tincture effective at very low doses to help people sleep. One of my more famous stories is the woman who became actually a dear friend who came to me and said, save my marriage. And I said, what? I'm an herbalist. And she said, my husband is in a very high-pressure government job, and he's taking sleeping pills because his mind is just whirring, whirring, whirring all the time. And um, he's now waking up in the middle of the night to take another sleeping pill, and I won't sleep with him anymore. And so you have to give him some herb that will help him sleep because... Otherwise, our marriage is going to fail. And so I suggested that he take three to five drops of skullcap. And that if he felt that he needed to take the herb along with his sleeping pill, he could certainly do that. That wouldn't be a problem. And he said the first time he did that, he actually stepped through the night and didn't have to get up in the middle of the night and take another sleeping pill. And that gradually... He weaned himself off the sleeping pill, and I suggest that he not only take a few drops of skullcap, but that he put another dose in a glass by his bedside so that if, if he wasn't asleep, within 10 to 15 minutes, he'd take another dose. Oh, great. And and so she, she and I actually became very fast friends, very close friends for a great many years. She's dead now. I miss her every single day. And um, she always um, told the story about how he was he became sold on herbs because of this. Uh-huh. See that while the drug made him sleep, it was becoming less and less effective, and that the herb also calmed his mind and allowed him to sleep. That as he took the herb. It made his mind calmer and calmer so that he had less and less need for it. Oh, interesting. And that's one of the things that I also like about 
using herbs that are native to where I am is that I always have the possibility, even if I'm not doing it, of being on a relationship status with the mm-hmm. herb rather than always being on a consumer status with it. Right. Okay. Not that I'm suggesting that we all have to go out and harvest our own herbs, but there's something, you know, even if it's the possibility. I was um, consoling a friend today who was, I guess, in a way, giving up on a grand vision that he had had. And I said to him, I said, you know, it's not for the visionary to create the vision. It's for the visionary to have the vision. Mm-hmm. And once you have the vision, and once the vision is known, if the vision is to be manifested, you as a visionary don't have to be responsible for it. Right. right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to go get Skullcap <laughs> tomorrow. I think if you can find it made from the fresh plant, then you can mm-hmm. use the dosages I'm talking about. And Red Moon Herb sells fresh plant tincture, and Catskill Mountain Herb sells fresh plant tincture. And if you can only find it made from dried plant, you'll have to use a dropper full instead of a couple drops. Okay. What was the second one? Did you say? So the first one was Red, Red Moon Herbs sells right. fresh plant tinctures, and Catskill Mountain Herbs. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, Actually, I think it's Catskill Thank Mountain you. Herbs. Catskill Mountain okay. Herbs. All right? And I know they Great, both thank use you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Good night. Okay. Bye. All right. And there are three callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. Our next caller is dialed in from the 908 area code. From the 908, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Carol Raftis from New Jersey. Hey, Carol. Hi. How are you tonight? Hey, wow, and thank you, thank you and Sarah Ellen for the um, all the great um, work you're doing for the Hypericum Conference. I love your um, your your enthusiasm and your joy and and your just your great pleasure in creating this divine for us. So yes, thank you. it is. It is. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, uh... I, sl- I slammed my thumb in the car door. And, um, I, yeah, I put, you know, I took the Arnica pills and, um, but, um, it became purple and then mm, the purple has started to move up the nail. This is about a month ago now and it's just been, so now what's happening is that the nail is coming apart where the purple is and, I don't know quite what to do about it. I'm I'm leaving it alone. But I think that's good. But, you might leave it alone or put a band aid on it to protect it. 
Yes. Yeah. It, the nail was damaged. Yeah. And if the nail bed was damaged, then it might be a while before the nail regrows. So if the nail bed wasn't damaged, it will regrow. It will be slow. And it, you'll need to protect it during that time. Oh, okay. But this is yeah. from that initial damage, which was deeper in the tissue where you really couldn't see it. And it just kind of grown to the place where you can see it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like some lingering thing is happening that you didn't know about. Yeah, some, no. This is still from that original injury. Yes. Yes. And but but eventually that the purple part is in the bottom half of the thumbnail and the crack um where the purple has cracked away from the bottom of the nail. Um, I guess that will all grow towards the top. I don't know what the process th- is going to be. I think it will. Again, it's a pretty okay. slow process. Yeah, Humphrey, okay. Humphrey, of course, is always a, a wonderful helper. Yeah, like as a as a poultice and as internally? As a poultice and, yeah, and drinking it as well. Oh, yeah, the, the tincture, the, the infusion. Infusion, absolutely. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for the nettle with miso tip. Um, it worked out great. It makes it um, really good and really palatable. So thank you for that. You that are welcome. Yeah, I love my nettle with miso. Yeah, yeah, that's that's terrific. Um, so all right, thank you so much. And uh, I know you want to get to the other caller before uh, you're Linda. a beautiful speaker. Yeah, and um, I just felt proud of you that, You've trained this next speaker as an apprentice, and now she has gone on to create all these other things, and it all comes from you, the great, the great mother of all. Thank you, Susan. Oh, Earl, thank you so mm-hmm. much. You know, I am so honored that I have had the opportunity to mm-hmm. be, be present in so many people lives and perhaps yeah. to add, you know, at a, a critical time, um, something mm-hmm. important to in a way. It's a great privilege. Yes. Yeah. Thank you again, Susan. Love you so much. Love Please you, Carol. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. And there are two callers. And the next has dialed in from the 734 area code. From the 734, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. My name is Lindsay. Um, This is my first time calling in. I am a 41-year-old female. Oh, thank you for taking my call, first of all. (laughs) I'm a little nervous. (laughs) I was diagnosed with a form of discoid lupus called tumid lupus 2017 and then recently um, in the last three weeks well in the last month or so I have been um, my primary doctor has been watching my blood pressure because it's high and then I went and saw my dermatologist for some of the lesions that I have on my face from the lupus and they did a new blood panel on me, and then they diagnosed me three weeks ago with having systemic lupus, 
And then I also had to do a urine test, and there's protein leaking in my urine. So I see a kidney specialist tomorrow. So basically the loop is that my lupus went from being only in my skin to being systemic, and it's damaging the kidneys, which is causing high blood pressure. I guess that's how I'm understanding it. So my primary doctor prescribed a high blood pressure medicine that I am taking um, to because I just don't know any better I'm taking it. And then I just started taking Plaquenil, which is also called like hydrochloroquine. It's chloroquine. It's kind of hard to say. Um, it was like that all the rage during COVID, that, that anti-malaria drug. Um, but I have begun taking that as of today, and I was wondering um, about your feedback about this condition and what I could do to support myself with herbs. It's a very interesting name, isn't it? Lupus. Yes. Yeah. I actually listened to one of your shows where you talked about how it means the wolf. It means the wolf. Yeah. It actually means the wolf. And I remember reading, I think the name of the book was Lupus Novice, written by a woman who said, let me find out what this wolf What's from me? The wolf is literally gnawing your insides. The wolf mm. is eating you from the inside out. Mm. And I think in her case, that the wolf was eating something else, not her kidneys. But it's the same kind of sense of um, that the wolf goes for the soft organs, you know, and Tears those out of the animal first. What what can you give the wolf besides your life? Because the wolf, if it goes unchecked, the wolf takes your life, right? Right. And we don't want that, so we have to find out what we can give the wolf and how we can. Manifest it in a way that's more graceful than eating ourselves alive. Okay. Lupus is one of a class of autoimmune diseases that basically, um, if you go, you know, to look in herbal books um, previous to the 21st century, you're hardly even going to find anything about autoimmune diseases. And what you do find is, don't use echinacea or anything that stimulates the immune system because in an autoimmune dis- disease, the immune system is attacking the body. That's a flawed and not very clear understanding of what's going on. In fact, echinacea may be extremely helpful for people with autoimmune diseases. Have you ever been around a child who was so tired that it was bouncing off the walls? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I have a son. (laughs) Right? Right? The kid is exhausted, and you say, go to sleep, and he says, no! 
Well, I think that is what's going on in autoimmune disease. I don't think that the immune system is overnourished and, and needs to be starved. I think the immune system is freaking out because it doesn't have enough. Okay. And that echinacea can give it enough. Astragalus is another superb immune system nourisher. Okay. So are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions at this point? Um, I actually just started doing that four days ago. But for you, <laughs> I, really, wait, your, really well on the nettle. I have had people tell me that they were on a transplant list for kidney transplants and got off of it from drinking nettle. Oh, wow. Okay. I did get a big big bag of that. So Good. Make sure you have scale and that you weigh out a full ounce into each quart. Yeah. Yeah, I've been Good. I'm on that. Good um, for I also you. bought some echinacea. And then get, a... get some astragalus, and okay. you can buy the powder, and you can sprinkle it on your food, you can buy the root slices and food, even make an infusion of astragalus. It's not very protein-rich, so it'll stay in the refrigerator longer than the protein-rich infusions. So you can make like a quart of astragalus and have it in the fridge, okay. and then drink like half a cup a day. Okay. Just so you and, get um, some astragalus in there. And feel in to these herbs. Talk with the wolf. What does it mean? You have a son. Mm-hmm. I think that your skills in communicating with your son will be useful in communicating with this wolf. Okay. Thank you. Um it, I also um, had heard that Hawthorne was good for bl- high blood pressure. I guess I'm wondering if I should be treating that with the herbs as well, I'm, you know, in addition to the other ailments. I don't know. You are being told that your blood pressure is high because your kidneys are not working well enough. And you're being given a diuretic to remove excess fluid from your body. Hopefully the nourishing herbal infusions will provide enough potassium or you'll be given a potassium sparing diuretic because often diuretics will strip potassium from your body. Um, so it's a little different than what Hawthorne does. First of all, Hawthorne doesn't work fast. Hawthorne is kind of a, a slow but steady. Okay. You can't hurt yourself by taking Hawthorne. Hawthorne is like eating apples. It's in the apple family, or cherries, mm-hmm. or peaches, or plums. So you're certainly not going to hurt yourself by taking Hawthorne. It's tasty. It helps the cardiovascular system by improving the strength of the heart in such a way that it maintains a better rhythm. And this stronger, more rhythmical heart results in a normalized blood pressure. You see, Hawthorne doesn't lower blood pressure, nor does it raise it. But if the blood pressure is too high for that person, it will bring it down. If it's too low for that person, it will bring it up. 
Okay. Okay. So are there diuretic herbs? There aren't diuretic herbs. Are they as effective as diuretic drugs? Maybe. Are they as safe? Maybe. Are they as easy to take? No. Will your insurance pay for them? Not. Hmm. So you're taking a drug of a known quantity that will do a known thing and being reimbursed or getting the drug for not too much since it's a, an older class of drugs, you can probably get a generic of it. You could take diuretic herbs. You could, motherwort is an herb that can help to reduce higher blood pressure. Passiflora is an herb that can help to reduce high blood pressure. But I think you're more to the point with your nettle infusion. Okay. Okay. Feel a lot better now. Yeah, because the high blood pressure is a consequence of what's going on with your kidneys, right? Yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah, that's, mm. so that's my understanding. It's not yeah. that the high blood pressure is doing something to your kidneys, but the kidneys are being attacked by the wolf and driving your blood right. pressure. Exactly. Yeah, and I see a kidney specialist tomorrow to find out the severity of it. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, I'm happy. The kidneys, like the liver, have no nerve endings. So there's really no way for us to know. Oh, okay. Okay. And most people don't even really know where their kidneys are. Most people, (laughs) kidneys are in their lower back, whereas the kidneys are up behind the the ribs. Oh. Yeah, they're up way high. Oh, yeah. I definitely thought they were in the lower back. Yeah. <laughs> the ureters run down there, and there are more nerve endings in, along the ureters. And so that's where if you feel pain, you're going to feel it there because you can't feel pain in the kidneys. Okay. Wow. Thank you. you are so knowledgeable. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, A little I, anatomy can be very helpful. <laughs> thank you. I Think, yes, thank you. I think that there's going to be some interesting dream that's going to come your way soon. Oh, I I would welcome that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Well, thank you very much for taking my call. Good. And yeah. And don't be a stranger. Call back and let us know what's going on. I sure will. Thank, thank you. Dream blessings. Good bye night. Bye. Blessings. Bye bye. And I bet Linda is here. Yes, yeah, time to introduce Linda Conroy, our guest tonight. I looked, I said, oh, who's the guest tonight? This big smile came across my face. Oh, I get to spend the evening with Linda, how wonderful. Linda Conroy is a bioregional wise woman herbalist, educator, wild crafter, permaculturist, and advocate for women's health. She is a proprietress of Moon Wise Herbs and the founder of Wild Eats, a movement to encourage people and communities to incorporate whole and wild food into their daily 
lives. Linda is also the founder of the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference and Mycelia Mysteries, a women's mushroom conference. Linda Conroy is passionate about women's health and has been working with women for over 20 years in a wide variety of settings. She is a student of nonviolent communication and has a master's degree in social work as well as law and social policy. Linda has been offering hands-on herbal programs and food education classes for over a decade. She's completed two herbal apprenticeship programs and she has a certificate in permaculture design. Linda is a curious woman whose primary teachers are the plants. They never cease to instill a sense of awe and amazement. Her poetic friend, Juline Tripp Weaver, eloquently describes Linda when she writes, She listens to the bees, takes tips from the moon, and follows her heart. Welcome, Linda. I'm super happy to be here. I am smiling as well. <laughs> hey, what's growing in your <laughs> greenhouse? That's funny. I was just out there before I came in. I um, closed things up a little bit because it was sunny out today and warm, so I opened it up and realized it was getting chilly, so I went out there. And um, we have a lot of seedlings coming up, and predominantly calendula is uh, one of the first things that seems to sprout and grow and but we have lots of seedlings planted and just watch every day going out and saying, who's popping up today? <laughs> so, fun. Yes, for the past month, Sarah, uh, Sarah Owen and I have been saying, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. And now, yet, yes, now, you could do it. Seeds in the ground, yes, go for it. Right. In many pots, inside, still, you, know, you still have to baby them around a little bit. You can actually start those tomato seeds now in most places. And they won't get yeah. too lucky like, before you put them out. But lots so of lots of cold crops, right? Baby kale and baby collards and things like that. Yes, I put some greens in the raised beds, so I'll have greens soon. And um, mm-hmm. I did. And in those beds, I found some yarrow and some wild carrot that was quite good size so that was exciting that that came up that's the very first thing that came up oh <laughs> um, hooray yeah wow and I, I i made a fun little video because that's one of the herbs people say they get confused about um when they're that young the difference between wild carrot and yarrow so i thought oh here's a fun opportunity to take some pictures yeah. and make a little video and show people the difference because they're very clearly different uh, yes. when you see them next to each other. <laughs> so that was that was kind of a fun thing I did the other day. It was I just really enjoy pointing that out to people when those plants are really young and get, helping people build some confidence in in being able to recognize them. I am so thrilled that you have taken it. Up on yourself to really devote yourself to helping people feel confident about wild food. I remember being on a trail side, and there was a huge uh, patch of wild blueberries. 
It covered, I don't know, maybe a quarter of an acre. It was a big patch of wild. And I'm standing there eating wild blueberries. And people are bicycling and walking past on the path, and no one would stop and eat a single blueberry with me. They were all basically too afraid. People are afraid. It's it's so interesting. We're definitely what some people might say phytophobic in this society. And it's certainly changing. I see people getting really excited about wild foods more and more. But I know uh, it's funny that you tell the blueberry story because one of my students last year told me that in taking my eight-month course, she was at her cabin, which is in the northern part of the state of Wisconsin, and they found blueberries that had been there for years, and they never even saw them, noticed them. Oh, my gosh. she's taking my course, and she, you know, it's opening her eyes to the plants, and all of a sudden, last year was the first time they ate the blueberries. (laughs) Yes, yay! And, you know, it's that thing, you know, people have what we call green blindness. They look out there, and they just see a big sea of green. And then when you start to hone in and look more closely, you see there's different shades of green, you know, and different textures. And, you know, it's just a matter of opening your eyes and really looking more closely and getting excited. And to do that, we all prefer, if we possibly can, to have a guide of some kind. Mm -hmm. And you, you provide that. You provide people the opportunity to go out with somebody else who can say, this is Yarrow, this is wild carrot. Yes. It's it's just so fun. And it's fun for me, you know, year after year, it's like a ritual seeing them coming up and yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's you. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> they become your, become your good friends, you know. <laughs> they certainly do. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, that's one of the things that goes on at the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference. Is there are plant walks, yes? Yes. Well, we, you know, we've built plant walks, and we have at least two or three plant walks every single session. And so someone could come to the conference and only go on plant walks if that's what they wanted to do. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's a very um, uh, reasonable thing to do at the conference if that's what you're passionate about, you know, is to go on all the plant walks and listen to the different instructors talk about the plants. People say different things. People have different relationships. And it's just really inspiring. I know last year, um, uh, a long-time instructor who's, you know, definitely been doing this for a long time, came on one of my herb walks, kind of like, what are you doing here? (laughs) She's like, well, I want to hear somebody else talk about the plants. And it was really fun. And, you know, I actually engaged her. And we we did a little bit of a co-led walk, which that's really fun. I know we've purposely done that sometimes where we had people co-lead walks. And... Actually, Susan, you know, this is our 12th year of the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference. And one of the favorite memories I hear coming back time and time again is that the very first conference, uh, we invited you to co-lead a walk with Isla Burgess. 
And I don't know if you remember that, but it's one that a lot of women who were at the conference remember very fondly. And I'll hear that come back around many times. So that's a very fond memory of the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference. Yes, I very much remember that, partly because I remember every moment I've ever spent with Ayla. She's certainly one of my favorite people and always mm-hmm. a treasure when I get to spend time with her. And, uh, yes, we, we were both in rare for, form. It was in the middle of a really terrible drought there. It was, yes. And uh, the plants were just like, we looked at each other and we're like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? The plants were just like screaming for water. And I think you spent a lot of time with the trees on that walk, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's just what we did. First of all, we had to take the people out of the sun because we were afraid we were going to fry the people. Mm. And... um, you know, when um, I mentioned that uh, Astrid Grove and I registered for the International Herb Symposium last night, and she was talking about, you know, oh, this this, this workshop and that, and I said, oh, Astrid, let's not pretend that we're going to workshops. So, you know, it's absolutely fine to come to a conference and not go to any workshops. I never expect myself to go to workshops when I go to a conference. I'm really there for what happens in between the workshops. Mm-hmm. And that's time and time again what women tell us, too, is that they really enjoy those in-between times and the conversations and the spontaneous learning opportunities. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know, the thing what, that you don't know is going to happen. Last year, it was so touching to me, you know, holding this space and for so many years and, and not always knowing what's happening because I'm behind the scenes making sure things are running smoothly. And I was sitting next to a woman maybe at a meal or something, and she looked at me and she goes, you know, a few years ago I met my best friend here. <gasps> and that just warmed my heart. So deeply oh. to think, you know, here she is and she's just glowing. I met my best friend here. And I just thought, oh. that's the kind of thing that really touches me deeply is that people are meeting their best friends and, um, you know, coming together and, and really having those deep relationships that are building over time. And another experience that I've had recently, I was talking to a few women who were doing work exchange. And I asked them if they had ever been to the conference before. They were 19, 20 years old. And one of the women said, women said to me, she said, yes, I was there with my mother when I was a young teen. And now she, she can't wait to come back and, uh, you know, do work exchange as an adult. And I thought, oh, my gosh, she has this really warm memory, and here she's coming back. So, you know, You know, it was what I wanted camp to be. Camp wasn't that. (laughs) Camp was (laughs) awful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is 
this is, is is the kind of cat, yes, maybe we all longed for when we were younger. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> mm-hmm. so there's some really special um, people who are going to be presenting this year. Robin Rose Bennett is going to be one of the keynote presenters, and she is apprentice number seven. And like you, she is an apprentice who has taken the wise woman tradition out into the world with her own flair and her own savor. What is uh, Robin Rose going to be talking to us about as a keynote speaker? She's going to be talking about plants in your daily life and daily rituals and sharing some of her favorite plants and the plants that she interfaces with on a regular basis. You know, she wrote called Healing Magic, and then she also wrote a book called Gift of the Healing Herbs. And so combining those two things together, she's a really, um, we're quite gifted at, you know, bringing those two things together and inspiring people to have, you know, daily ritual in their life with the plants. So I'm excited to see her and spend time with her for sure. Me too. She was a very, um, very deeply supportive person to me when I was in, when I lived in the city for that period of time when undergoing radiation therapy. Mm -hmm. And, she lives in New Jersey, and she came over from New Jersey and spent time with me, and we would go for walks. We really appreciate her and appreciate um, appreciate very much that after her apprenticeship, during her apprenticeship, she lived in Manhattan, and after her apprenticeship, she went back to Manhattan, and she did what you're doing in Manhattan. She went back, and she just started harvesting plants and turning people onto it and has really... Um, you know, done a lot in an urban way. And you know, before, I wanted to send out just a little healing, heartfelt thump to uh, Mama Donna Hens. Mama Donna mm. Hens, who balances eggs at Equinoxes in Manhattan and who suffered a stroke a few months ago. She's mm. making a Pretty good recovery, but she still wants a little heartbeat from all of us. We love you, Mama Donna. And uh, if you're not out there balancing eggs, um, we're doing it for you. Yes, I'll send that out to her. I, I've I've spent time with a little bit of time with her, and she's she's just a delight. Who else? Is, there are several people giving keynotes at the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference. Who else is? Yes. So um, Judith Laxer, who is a um, high priestess from Seattle, Washington, she runs a, um, a church called Gaia's Temple, and she has been one of our uh, heartbeats of helping us to hold space for ritual uh, for the opening and closing ceremonies. And she is going to be offering a keynote address called Letting Ourselves Off the Hook and utilizing the um, myth of Persephone um, as, a, um, as a guide to letting ourselves off the hook, not giving ourselves such a hard time. So I'm really excited for that. I think it's going to be really inspiring. Judith always is a pleasure to be with. 
And she um, is also going to be leading our what she calls the Follies. It's basically what I call a no talent show on Saturday evening. The no talent show. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, you don't have to have talent, you just come up and share. Just to make it less intimidating. <laughs> so I'm excited. Our listeners have all kinds of hidden talents. Yes, so many, and I guess every couple of years we, we have this. We have this event every couple of years, and it's just so fun to see all the talents that come out of the woodwork, basically, (laughs) from, you know, people, women singing, playing music, telling stories, telling poems, Um, one woman one year mimed making kimchi, and, you know, you never know (laughs) what's going to happen on stage. (laughs) It's always very, very joyful. Now, I was encouraging women to um, go and register, and Sarah Ellen said, nope, don't encourage them, because guess what? There aren't any more registrations available. So perhaps uh, we should talk a little bit about mycelium mysteries. Well, let me just say that that is not 100% entirely true. Oh, okay. The main conference is full, and that is true. We have three conference events that still have space, and women can come and spend anywhere from three days with us to a day to two days. We have a whole bunch of different pre-conference events that are happening, and so they can join those events. One of them is actually a fermentation camp with me where we're going to be making uh, a lot of different ferments, you know, hands-on practical uh, information about ferments and digestive health, and that's going to be fun. And then Heather Van Flesch is going to be doing a three-day immersion on Celtic herbalism. And so there's... Wow! Oh, my gosh. Woo-hoo-hoo! And then there's a whole bunch of other other um, three-hour and two-hour. We have a backpack basket-making workshop. Women can come and make their own backpack basket for foraging and some ritual workshops. So there's there's still lots of different things you can do if you, All if, you know. All right. Well, thank you for setting me straight on that. You, <laughs> the, you, there's not room right now at the main conference but there's still room at most of the pre-conference events. Yes, exactly. And women can get on the waiting list for the main conference if they would like to, just in case something changes, we'll let you know. And as we know, things often do change. Uh, Things always change. We kind of (laughs) jump that into our planning. You know, one of my – and I – did steal this from Isla Burgess, so I can't take full credit, but I love it immensely. Is you know, one of the my mottos in life is you have to be flexible, adaptable, and resilient. And so we build that into the conference because we know things are going to shift and change, and they always do up until the day we arrive and things start happening, and they shift and change on site too. <laughs> so. Exactly. <laughs> yep. 
And, and I, you know, I didn't know that the first couple of years I'd be like, oh, no, you know, like something happened or somebody couldn't come. And now it's kind of like, okay, well, we can adapt to this. Okay. And, oh, so that's so. the person who's not coming this time. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we'll, 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 we'll keep the door open for them to come another time if they can't come this time. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. And that's really a good way to live your life, actually, because um, I think we all know that change is probably the one thing we can count on, right? I guess so. (laughs) But but Uh, then just getting back to your point is that we do have a second event called Mycelium Mysteries, which happens in the fall, and that is a women-focused mushroom conference. And we're super excited this year. We have Catherine McLean, who's uh, done a lot of research on with um, uh, John Hopkins on uh, psychedelic um, mushrooms, and yeah. she's going to be speaking. And that's a really rich topic. And I, you know, she has a very level perspective on the topic, which I'm, I appreciate. And she's going to be doing a pre-conference workshop on helping women learn to hold space for other people who are utilizing psilocybin for, you know, all different myriad of reasons, of course. So I'm excited about that. And then Cornelia Cho, who's been teaching for us for a long time, she's going to do a workshop called The Mycelial Brain. That's going to be actually a so, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. We, You know, here it is. That's in the fall. We've already, you know, been planning the workshops and the speakers, and um, it's, it's fun. And we, we expanded into a second event partly because we ha- only have so much capacity at the spring event, and then partly because I was in the woods fall at that, uh, location where we hold the camp and there were just mushrooms everywhere in the fall and I couldn't go anywhere without stepping on a mushroom and I'm like we need a mushroom conference <laughs> so <laughs> that's so perfect the mushrooms took you in and said look look <laughs> <laughs> come on and it's been seven years and you know in a lot of ways um, there's been a real um I guess, separation between the herbal world and the mushroom world, and there hasn't been a lot of integration of the two here in this country. I mean, other places, of course, there there hasn't been an interruption, but it's, you know, we're doing something that is um, a little bit outside of the course. You usually have mushroom events and herbal events, but we have blended them because we often have workshops like on seed saving in the fall and root harvesting. Uh, yeah. At the mushroom yeah. conference. At the mushroom thing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad you're doing that. To, to join hands there. Well, well our time is almost at an right? end. What haven't we talked about that you really wanted to talk about? Well, I'm originally I wanted to come and talk about the conference. I, I was thinking about it. I thought, well, it's a ritual now for us every year to together and have a conversation about the conference. And yes. I'm excited you're going to be there. Yes. And um, super excited to see you and spend time with you. 
And, um, you know, I do hope that women will consider um, coming to some of the pre-conference events. And, you know, we'll, we'll be there next year, too. So if you don't get to come this year, register and come in next year because we're already planning for next year. So. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, right. <laughs> you know, these things give, give women a way that they can get in touch. Yes. So for the Women's Herbal Conference, MidwestWomensHerbal.com. And just to mention that women who aren't able to come to the conference or live far away or, or, you know, even internationally, we've actually started to offer a bunch of online courses and modules that they can uh, um, take advantage of as well. So um, we're doing community conversations with other foragers and herbalists. So if uh, people want to check, women want to check that out on our website, that'd be great. And then for me personally, uh, my website is moonwiseherbs.com. And, of course, there you can find lots of classes, workshops, apprenticeships, and all kinds of fun stuff. Okay. What last words do you have? to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you, Linda Conroy. I, today I want to say that it is really important for us to continue to gather. I really learned that through holding the space through the pandemic, not gathering for two years, and now gathering back together for two years. We need to be together. We need each other. And I just really want to encourage women to gather wherever you are, if it's two of you, if it's 400 of you, just gather. We need to be together. We need to talk about what's in our hearts and um, and just really help support each other. So just encouraging that, whether, you know, it's a small community gathering or it's some, you know, big gathering you travel to. So, yeah. And how do you put it, mothers and grandmothers, daughters and sisters, aunts and nieces? Yes. Gather together yes. in a, yes. a co created village. Yes. We are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients, and we are restoring herbal medicine to its rightful places, people's medicine, putting it back in the home. Oh, thank you so much, Linda, for your brilliant and persevering work. I love you so much. Mm. I love you too, Susan. Thanks for having me. It was a you bet. And thank you, Sarah Ellen. Love you, Justine. Love you all. Good night and green blessings. Good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.